Hey, I'm Danny Mazer, and you are listening to the Soul Stories Podcast, an extension of Soul Stories, where we curate spaces for difficult conversations and create connection through dialogue, storytelling, and creative expression. On this season, we will be bringing you stories and poetry from an event we hosted this past April. It was called Unpacked, a creative dialogue on consent. Hi there, my name is Hannah Skews. I'm a member of Soul Stories, and I also helped Danny create this event in April called Unpacked, a creative dialogue on consent. Danny, I, and about eight other people got up on stage to read poems and tell stories and do other types of performances solely based on our own personal experiences on the topic. You're about to hear me speak about my current relationship and how compassionate questions can really lead to fulfilling connections. How many of you here have been completely stumped by a question? Like, can't answer, brain won't completely process it at that moment, just completely at a loss for how to answer. Anybody? Raise your hands. What was it? What was the question? Shout it out, anybody. That's a terrible one, especially in your 30s. You're not in your 30s, but I am, so, you know. Anybody else? Do you live here? That's a terrible one. Um, How about, can I kiss you? I was still married to someone else the first time Joe asked me this cartoon anvil of a question. And I I couldn't quite put my finger on why it was so crushing then. I chewed on my lip in the question before half whispering, it's not a good idea. In that few seconds of reflection, if I'm honest, I considered it, but it was pretty clear that I couldn't and avoid complicating our friendship or feel good about my own self-serving idea that I was a good person or a good wife, even if I thought the marriage was too far decayed to revive. It was suddenly difficult to look at Joe, but I could see him half-heartedly nodding in my periphery, his jaw tightening, eyes on the sidewalk. You're right, he finally said. Let's get you home if you can find it. (laughs) Suddenly, eye contact was easy again, and so was laughing and just being next to him. We were walking from a neighborhood neighborhood karaoke bar, my arm fastened securely to his side, his wrapped around my shoulders, and we giggled and meandered goofily down the sidewalk. We had been drinking with coworkers, leaving behind a patio table of empty pints and shot glasses. Although I suspected I was more sober than he was at the moment, He'd been the one to notice that we were heading in the opposite direction of my parked car. After we found my car, I drove him the rest of the way to his apartment building. As I watched him disappear, <laughs> as I watched him disappear behind the front door, I felt something, nameless to me then, sink into my stomach and anchor me in place. I had a strange urge to go after him, not to consummate his earlier request, but just to thank him for making it. The man I was married to then still held on to some kind of hope that we would make it, but that sounds more romantic than it actually is. Several weeks before that karaoke-infused night, we had argued over a pretty nasty habit we had co-developed over our seven years together. He would come up behind me, regardless of what I was doing, 
Cooking, fishing ibuprofen out of a rattling bottle, washing delicates in the oversized bathroom sink, and grab me in a way that demanded sexual attention. And I would say nothing. During our last year as a couple, he would continue this vice even when I began telling him quietly, meekly, that I didn't like it. Every time he touched me like this, an anger would bloom in my chest but wither in my mouth. I don't think he saw it coming when it escalated to a full-blown fight. He groped me from behind while I had a hot curling iron in my hand and did not let go when I said to stop. But I like it, he said. Maybe it was that acknowledgement that he wanted to touch me whenever he liked, regardless of how I felt about it, that sent me headlong into a seething anger that still startles me. He heard me say no, and it didn't matter. What I wanted for my own body mattered less than his access to it. In one solitary second, every single time I said not right now, or shifted my body away, or avoided physical affection that could turn into sex, was kindling for that anger. I recoiled, shielded my own body like a starved and feral mother protecting her young, and I told him loudly, viciously, not to touch me. Curling iron held out like a threatening punctuation mark. I would move out months later. Our couple's therapist told him after only two appointments we needed to separate before I could heal. This isn't what he wanted to hear, but I eventually got my own apartment, signed the divorce papers, and stumbled free. Given the shifting ground beneath my feet, that physical proximity to Joe that night as we shuffled to my car felt grounding and solid. It was easy, not consuming or demanding in the way so many other men have attempted to build connections with me. As a woman trying to live life in open spaces and hoping for distractions in the minefield of dating apps, the sense of entitlement to my, my time, my energy, and my body seemed a shared trait among potential partners. One guy stalked me on Instagram when I said I was uncomfortable going on a second date. Hindsight's 2020. Another told me I was just like every other woman and demanded I pay for half of the meal he covered when I said I wasn't interested in seeing him again. I held in several dry heaves when men I hadn't met sent faceless photos of their genitalia. When I did not respond quickly enough or when I ignored requests for photos of my naked body, the comments were not kind. They weren't interested in the fact that they were all tossing another piece of trauma onto a pile of it accrued since puberty. These infractions were common when I was dating, but they were also unsurprising. Graphic, <laughs> graphic cat calls still ring in my 14-year-old ears as grown men followed me for several blocks in the middle of the day. So does the laughter of my male high school classmates asking invasive questions, sometimes with a crowd about my virginity or my masturbation preferences. I can still hear the voicemail scattered through my sophomore year from a heavy breathing, incoherent mystery man about what would happen if I was ever alone with him. I still don't know who he is. That same year, at 19, I was raped by an acquaintance who called me Little Miss Rape after I tried to sit up in his bed, slurring my disbelief over what he did. The chuckle in his voice still haunts me with knife-like clarity amid a hazy night full of incomplete scenes and too many jump cuts. I'll never forget the naked aggression of a drunk man who had followed a friend and I for a quarter of a mile, offering vivid details of his urge to sexually humiliate us. 
He began yelling over me when I told him to back off before I called the cops. These are the peaks in a range of male invasions. I spent too much time throughout my adolescence and adulthood looking over my shoulder when I walk alone outside. Day or night, wondering if a man is following me or just walking home. I've pretended I can't hear men yelling after me with the blessing of headphones. I cannot count how many hands have appeared in two intimate places at bars and gyms and even grocery stores. These experiences span every space I have occupied from my southern hometown to my adopted city in Denver, to my conservative workspaces to creative communities. There are predators in every pond in suits and overalls in front of microphones and in conference rooms. When I think back to that night, willingly tangled with my friend Joe, I feel struck by the simplicity of actually wanting to be next to someone, and at the same time, feeling free of fear. Even though I said no to his asking if he could kiss me, I still found myself moved by it and hoping that, at some point in the near future, he would ask again. Joe and I have been together for three years now, and he has indeed asked again. He still asks, and it always has a stilling effect on me. It makes me acutely aware of my body temperature and breath and just how long it's been since I drank water or applied lip balm. And I guess I find it difficult not to love someone who makes a habit of asking for access when he was already welcome, when other men, strangers to me even, have a tendency to demand time and attention, sometimes violently, simply because they feel entitled to it. I know there is an argument that he should ask anyway, and that I shouldn't feel the need to celebrate when a man interacts with a woman with a little common courtesy for who she is as a human. And I will say that there are plenty of other reasons to love him besides this one little act of recurring decency, but it does remind me of those reasons. His kindness when I was broken, his patient friendship when I didn't know what I wanted, his ability to be vulnerable, his sweetness amid a dark sense of humor, how his humanness comes before his manliness. The question itself to me still felt and still feels quietly revolutionary, especially in its repetition like just learning to ask compassionate questions might be what fixes us as a species. It certainly, felt some <laughs> it certainly felt like something seismic that night when butterflies burst from my stomach and died in my throat as I rejected him for duplicitous interest in integrity and delay. It reminds me how far we've come from there, walking the wrong way on Broadway to eventually find the way home. Hey, it's Hannah again, thanking you for your time and energy while listening to stories from Unpacked, a creative dialogue and consent on the Soul Stories podcast. I also once again and always want to thank the poets and storytellers for their vulnerability and honesty. One of the main goals of Unpacked was to offer up these narratives as a starting point for talking about consent. And I'd love to hear from you about how they impacted you. We would also be very grateful if you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts like this one and share this episode with the people you care about. Also, follow us on Instagram at Soul Stories Denver and find us on Facebook. We at Soul Stories are so incredibly lucky to be a part of this community. Thanks for listening and being a part of it. <laughs>